1: And right, welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. I am Buckeye Boggs. That man over there is Chris Wilds. And today we're going to be doing another one of our Big Ten previews, this one being Sparty. That's right. Michigan State is on the docket tonight. Well, Chris, I don't know if it was just something in the water in East Lansing last year or the fact that the, the transfer philosophy finally caught up with Mel Tucker But the 2022 Michigan State Spartans were nothing like the 2021 Michigan State Spartans. Uh, So much so that even though I might have won a little bit of money off of them last year, uh, it was even worse than what I predicted it to be for them. And they had just a horrendous year in 2022. So what's going to be very interesting is how does this team bounce back in 2023? But before we do that, Chris, let's go ahead and take a look at the Spartans historically, as well as how they did last season, before we turn the page and look and see what we can expect from them uh, this season in 2023. So Michigan State was five and seven last year, three and six in the Big Ten. This is Mel Tucker's third season there in East Lansing. Uh, their home field is Spartan Stadium, a capacity of seventy-five thousand and five. All-time record really good: seven twenty-seven, four seventy-nine, and forty-four for a winning percentage of five ninety-nine. Their bowl record almost five hundred: fourteen and sixteen, and they have won eleven conference titles over the year. Last year, they started off decent with uh, wins against uh, non-conference opponents Western Michigan and Akron before losing on the road at Washington. They then came back home and got beat pretty soundly by Minnesota. They went on the road and got beat by Maryland. They then had Ohio State come into the stadium and whoop their butts uh, before somehow winning a double overtime game against Wisconsin at home they then get handled easily on the road against rival Michigan they then went on the road last year at Illinois again how that one happened they beat Rutgers then they lose at home in double overtime to Indiana and then they lose to their quote unquote rival uh Penn State 35-16 The over-under last year was seven and a half games. Chris, you went with the over at nine and three. I I took the under at seven and five. I was successful. You were not, but they only came away with five wins last season. Chris, this was kind of one of the teams that surprised you last year. You thought they were going to be much better than what they were. I think it had a lot to do with the fact that the success that Mel Tucker had – In the transfer portal in year one. And you thought he's going to do it again.
2: Yeah, I really did. And uh, obviously the transfer portal uh, giveth and it taketh away, Eric. And it took away all their wins when they didn't get the quality guys they got the year before. But you know what? Kenneth Walker's awful hard to replace. Yeah. I mean, they, they struck gold with Kenneth Walker. And they rode that to a really successful season in 2021 and last year just didn't work out. And I'll tell you when I look at some of these names that are on the roster this year, Eric, remember that line in major league, who are these effing guys?
1: That's,
2: <laughs> what's kind, that's kind of what I'm feeling here, Uh-oh. you know, oh, <laughs> cross them off then, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they've still, I think, got some talent at the running game, but, uh, you know, I think Jalen Berger is definitely, you know, a talent in the running back position, Yeah. but, and, and they have some guys up front. I'm sure you're going to talk about this. They got some guys up front that, uh, have some experience there, but I'll tell you, Eric, I just, I, I actually, I don't know. Maybe I'm too skeptical on him this season. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't see them having a great year. And, of course, their schedule. You realize they've got four teams that finished in the top ten last year?
1: Mm, yeah, we're going to get to that in just a second. but That's uh, brutal. Yeah. All right, let's go to our expert from the Bacon Wire podcast. It's a Michigan State podca- uh, podcast, Spartan Dog. He's going to join us here. He's going to tell us all about Michigan State. We have a really good conversation about the rivalries and where Michigan State kind of sits in all of that. And uh, he's going to tell us a little bit about what we can expect from them. So here he is. All right, guys, welcome back to the OHIO podcast. As you can see, I'm joined by our guest. uh, We are with Spartan Dog from the Bacon Wire podcast. They cover MSU, Michigan State Spartan football on the Big Banter Network. Spartan Dog, thank you so much for joining us here on the OHIO podcast. No problem, Eric. Thank you for having me. And and I have a
3: bone to pick with not not just you – but the, the Ohio State football program as a okay. whole, right? Um, you know, I don't know like what language, what kind of language level you're going for here.
1: Uh, or family friendly. Or fam- family friendly. friendly. Yeah. Okay.
3: Good to know. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Um, what is Ryan Day's problem with us? Because it seems like every year since, he's, since he took over, he's beaten the ever-loving snot out of MSU. And then the last couple of years, there's like nothing left for Michigan. I've always right. treated, I've always treated Ohio state like as an enemy of my enemy kind of thing. Right. But yeah. I'm not kidding. I, I don't feel that same like reciprocation, right. At least from urban, I kind of felt it a little bit. Like he would kind of go like, he would kind of lay off the gas a little bit. Right. Like at the end of the Antonio years, But it's been like no mercy. Like, I don't get it.
1: So let's go back to the urban. He laid off the gas too much. That's what happened. Uh, No, um, no. So, yeah, you bring up a really good point. Why is it that we seem to just the last couple years lay the wood to some pretty? I mean, gosh, the 20, what was it? The 2021 Michigan State team was ranked what when they came into the shoe? Uh,
3: I think they were ranked like eighth.
1: Yeah, and it was, and then by halftime it was forty nine to like seven or nothing. And I'm like, what? What just happened? Like, I was at that game. I was shocked. Um, and then we literally go out and lay a stinker against uh, the team up north, as we like to call them. So, yeah, that's a good point. But you know, there was you guys were the thorn in Urban's side. You know, you go back and you look at our previous coaches. Trestle struggled against Wisconsin. Urban struggled against Sparty. There's really no. You know it's kind of odd. You know, outside of he would have he would just lay a stinker every now and then. The game against Purdue, the game at Iowa, um, but uh, he dominated. He dominated uh, old hairball up there. So, yeah, this is interesting. It, it that the tides have turned on us the last couple of years, and there's a lot of angst in Columbus, Ohio, right now, about the the Ann Arbor team. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyways, let's start. Let's start with where Mel Tucker's at with the fan base. Like we're, we're we, we kind of all like Mel Tucker. He coached at Ohio State when Trestle was there. He's a Northeast Ohio guy. He's a Cleveland guy. Um, you know, we, we like Mel Tucker. But man, it seems like, you know, maybe the direction he took it with the transfer portal guys leaving the issue that happened in the big house, which everybody has that issue. Let's just face it. you guys aren't to blame for that in my opinion. everybody has that issue. What's the common denominator there? Um, what's going on with Tuck? So I'll
3: preface I'll preface my my comments with this. I am a I am a lot more pessimistic. Uh, I am a lot more pessimistic than than I than the majority of the fan base I think. Uh, I recently updated my bio to MSU football's Frank the Tank, which if you know anything about Frank the Tank or, yeah. you know, the Mets or anything like that's, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of my relationship to to MSU football right now. Um, you know, I, I think as I get a little further away from the season, right, and I kind of have a little separation from like, just like getting the knife twisted in me like week in and week out, I think ultimately what it came, what last season came down to was, was a lack of depth. And that was, that's ultimately like one of the, one of the parting curses of Mark D'Antonio, right? Is like you you had 22, you had 22 guys that could get you, you know, bowl eligible, you know, maybe to like the, the new year's day bowls or, or, you know, best case scenario, new year six, but, if one of them goes down the guys at the two deep, three deep on the depth chart are just they're They're not big 10 players and that's nothing against them. They're, they're great young men and you know, who wouldn't take an offer from a big 10 school if their other offers were from, you know, group of five programs. So I think that was ultimately some of the issue. I, I do have some problems scheme wise, um, with, with some of the stuff MSU did last year. Um, But ultimately, ultimately the ultimately my my motto this season is the waters gotta find its level, right? Mm -hmm. If they go like if MSU goes like nine and three this year, let's say, then like where's the where's the baseline expectation? Right? So I just I gotta be able to see I have to be able to see Mel Tucker drag this team to, to seven to seven, eight wins. Before I can go, okay, now let's start. Let's start shooting for an Indianapolis. I think.
1: Okay, so that makes sense. So let's let's go. Let's go here then. What is the basement and what is the ceiling for this year's football team? In your opinion,
3: um the the basement the basement I think is probably four and eight. I think for this team. I think if I think if like the wheels fall off again. Uh, you know, there's, there's injuries to, to guys in the, there's guys at the top of, of the rotation, especially on the trenches, like they had last year on the defensive line. Um, it could get real ugly, real fast. The ceiling, the ceiling, I would probably place at eight and four, nine and three. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, what, of, of what the other team, of what the other team brings to the table when, when they come in, um, My, my motto, my other motto is if Mel wants to keep the band together, he's got to go eight and four. So he's got to win the games he should win. And he's got to steal one from Washington, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State.
1: Is, is he, is he, is the seat a little bit warm? I mean, that, that contract is.
3: Yeah, I ultimately, I think, um, you know, I don't know about Matt Ishbia's liquidity right now um in terms of like what he's able to shell out in terms of in terms of a potential buyout. Uh like I said last year last year I'm kind of willing to chalk up to you know the the situation he inherited right in terms of like you know Mark d'Antonio after the twenty sixteen class um kind of self-destructed and in, in very brutal and very um, unacceptable ways. Um, there was kind of a feeling among the fan base that he like quit kind of recruiting that he just kind of like took a step back and was just content on, on recruiting like Ohio two stars and like hoping he hits on like two or three versus like, versus like putting in the legwork and finding the Connor cooks, the Kirk cousins, the, the, uh, the Jeremy Langford's right. Guys like those, um, but I don't think his seats, I don't think his seats warm right now. I think if he, I think if MSU misses bowl eligibility again, um, I think, I think the cord, I think, and he doesn't make any changes at the coordinator level. Uh, I think there's going to be the, they're going to, they're going to try to start igniting it a little bit, but I don't think his, I don't think his seats any. Any warm right now, and that's coming from me. Which, if you if you're a regular listener of the Bacon Wire podcast and you follow me over here, uh, you know how surprising that is for me to say.
1: So let's talk a little bit about this team. Who are some guys that you can hang your hat on? As these are these are going to be players who the Big Ten is going to know by the end of the year.
3: Yeah, I think ultimately you kind of look around, right? And there were some there were some massive departures this offseason and the those aren't those can't be uh you can't talk about this team without talking about that, right? Like mm-hmm. Peyton Thorne ultimately I think Peyton Thorne Peyton Thorne transferring was a good thing for the program. Um I think a lot of the I think a lot of the people who follow the team closely um are with me in that. But losing Keon Coleman is is a big blow. Uh there's no denying that. I I do I think I think Trey Mosley is going to be the guy that everyone uh, that everyone is going to be like, oh, when when you're lining up against MSU, watch out for this guy. Um, you know, he's kind of been he's kind of played second fiddle to Jane Reed and, and Keon Coleman and Jalen Naylor, right? In 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 his time here, but uh, he's just he's one of those guys where it's like if you get him if you get him the ball. You'll if you if you throw the ball in his direction, he's either coming down with it or he'll break up the interception for you. He's just one of those Mr. Reliable. He runs good routes. He he has sure hands, and I think I think he's I think he's going to really shine as wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, uh, you know I would. I would really, I really want to. I'm really excited to see Jacoby Winman back uh, from this team. He transferred uh, from UNLV, and he, you know, had his season cut short due to tunnel nonsense and um, and some injury stuff. But he came out of the gates and You know, they were kind of everyone kind of had high expectations for him. Uh, now that I, now that the now that the uh, the vibes around the program are a little are a little dampened. Um, I think that's really going to help uh, Jacoby kind of recover and kind of get back to the form. We saw him uh, before he kind of got banged up and before the tunnel.
1: Beautiful. So let's talk a little bit. Let's have a little bit of fun because you, sure. we we share a commonality and that is our disdain for everything Ann Arbor. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the incident. And I know this is going to be hard keeping it family friendly for you probably, but Let me tell, tell me if you think I, if I saw this correctly, there is a history there of instigation taking place from, from the maze and blues part. And whether that was what was intended by that young player or not, the history of it is to the point where, what, what, what did you think was going to happen? Is kind of how I looked at it as a Michigan fan. What was, what was the fan base's reaction to that? And just give me your overall feeling uh, of, of where you guys stand in that rivalry right now with Michigan. So here, so here's, so
3: here's what I'll say. There's the disdain, the disdain on both sides runs deep. Mm -hmm. Right. Michigan. I mean, from the university's very establishment, Michigan, the University of Michigan fought against the establishment of a land grant institution in the state of Michigan. They fought against they fought against the reclassification from Michigan State College to Michigan State University. They they fought against they fought against MSU's Big Ten membership bid. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's a very deep seated rivalry and and it's in michigan's super i'm trying to keep it family friendly here so <laughs> i'm taking long pauses i'm trying to i'm trying to find the pg i'm trying to find the pg in here there's an air of superiority from from michigan from michigan fans from university officials that that ultimately i think kind of colors the rivalry in in a different way, right? Where I think the rivalry between you two, as someone who kind of, um, as someone who was on one side of it and is now on the other side uh, of it, I do think there is a little bit of mutual respect there, even though it is very contentious, right? When, when MSU was dominating this rivalry, it was never, there was never any respect. It was always it was always like, it was always, you got lucky. If, if, if Rich Rock wasn't an idiot, if, if Hoke didn't blow it, if Devin Gardner could throw the ball, if, if this, if the punter just held onto the ball, if this, if that, if the other, right. Um, so I, I do think, I do think that history kind of colored the tunnel incident and you know, ultimately, ultimately, ultimately the responsibility falls on the MSU players who, who, who kind of control, who yeah. lost control, right? Like I'm not, I'm not excusing their behavior in any way, shape or form. I, It's just, it's one of those things you lost, you, you know, it's a rivalry. Like you should expect the other side to, to talk, to talk smack. You know, you just kind of you just kind of take it, you internalize it, you put it on the bulletin board for next season.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, taking it to that level was unacceptable. Um, however, the I do think I was proud of how the university and how the staff handled it. Right? They didn't. They didn't have to suspend. They didn't have to suspend the players while while there was an investigation. They didn't have to do anything. And I think, and I think the staff holding those players accountable while it, while it was painful and while it ultimately probably cost us a chance of bowl eligibility, it, it was the right thing to do, and that I'm proud of the staff for. Uh, the The treatment of it by the other side, I think, was a little ridiculous and a little cartoonish. Uh, you know, saying that no apology was ever going to be good enough, um, talking like they ended this kid's career, uh, you know, wanting wanting, wanting criminal charges pressed against them, right? I, I do think that was a little harsh, a little extreme, a little ridiculous. And I, and I think that was just another, that's like another chapter in the book of, of, of Michigan not respecting Michigan State as an institution.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that because, you know, as someone who follows the Big Ten like I do and knowing that, you know, a lot of our listeners and a lot of Ohio State fans outside of what happens inside the horseshoe or whatever stadium Ohio State's playing at that Saturday, they don't really follow or understand what else is out there in the Big Ten. there is a ton of heat between Sparty and. And, and, and team up North. And I, I'm all for, I'm all for, I've, I've jumped on the Notre Dame bandwagon hate with them too, man, because I'm like, at this point, let's just all gang up together uh, and take down Jim Harbaugh because I can't stand the guy, but that's beside the point. I just wanted uh, my listeners to, to kind of get a feel for, for what is happening between Michigan state and Michigan. I think it's, it's, it's deep. Like you said, it's very deep. It's very deeply seated. And uh, I can appreciate, you know, the the level of disdain because I feel it too for uh, as as an Ohio State fan for them. Um, let's talk a little bit about where we're at uh, this season as far as Ohio State and Michigan when they when they face each other. Sure. Um, you know, I, I, looking over Michigan State's schedule uh, as I pull that up real fast. Um, you know, we play. Each other, I guess it'd be week, what is that? 10 again. So late in the season again, at East Lansing on the road, in your house. Um, by then it's gonna be um, or no, wait a minute. That's it's at our house, it's in Columbus this year, excuse me. Um where 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 is you where are the fan base at as far as okay. Is there a chance? Is that kind of what you're thinking? You kind of said it earlier. If we can take down Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, or Washington, that's kind of that big win for us. Is there any expectation there? Or is like what what would be the expectation from you as a Michigan State fan coming into Columbus facing Ohio State this year?
3: I think the personally the expectation is competitive at halftime, right? Because that's something that hasn't been the case since since Mel Tucker has taken over. Um, if you look at the three games that Ohio State and Michigan State have played, they've all been over at halftime. So I think coming out of the locker room in the third quarter with a puncher's chance, even um, I think I would consider a success. And what happens after that happens after that. I'm not expecting to go into the. I'm not expecting to go into shoe and win. Not with you know, I'll, I'll I'll ride with my guys, but it's just it's not the team to do it. So I I want I want a game within two to three scores at halftime and and I can kinda of go, okay, like this is trending in a in a favorable direction
0: for me. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty-nine each, then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty-nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. You know, I'm always curious to kind of get people's opinion because, you know, under Ryan Day, we have outside of that last game of the year. We have done a very good job of not slipping up. Urban Myers slipped up. Yeah. Every almost every single year there would be a game where you would go, huh? Like, what was that? And so I'm I'm interested to always kind of gauge the other fan bases as far as where they view Ohio State as at when they play them. Do you as a Spartan fan still think of Ohio State as the top dog of the Big Ten? Or has what has happened at the end of the year in your mind? Has Jim Harbaugh and the loser rings supplanted the Buckeyes as being the top dog in this conference currently?
3: So I, I kind of look at it as a, I, I, I kind of see it as a two horse race, mm-hmm. right? I see it as Ohio state in Michigan. And then there's, there's Penn state kind of in that, in that second tier um, along with, you know, you could put, Wisconsin in there. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns with Wisconsin as well. So uh, we'll see then we'll see there, but yeah, I, I kind of view you, you, got, I kind of view Ohio state and Michigan as one, a one B in the big 10 conference and everyone else is just kind of like fighting for table scraps. Um, You know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see like how, how it shakes out moving forward, obviously with the, with the changes coming to the big 10 conference um, adding USC and UCLA, getting rid of divisions. Um, we'll see what happens in terms of in terms of that. But yeah, as the conference is currently constructed, it's like Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and then it's kind of like everyone else. Mm-hmm.
1: One last question, uh, since you brought up the the scheduling thing um, did did the Big Ten get the whole rivalry protective rivalry things right?
3: Um, I mean, I'm kind of happy. I, I don't know. I would have liked to see uh, the land grant trophy game kind of preserved as a rivalry. Um, you know, ultimately, ultimately I like the idea of, of protecting these rivalries um, officially and not just kind of having it going year by year. We're going to schedule it, going to schedule it, going to schedule it. Cause that always gives a team the opportunity to kind of back out. Um, if, if internal momentum is, is going in a not favorable direction. uh, But yeah, I would have, I would have probably liked to see three protected rivalries per team. um, And I would have liked to see kind of USC and UCLA kind of brought into the fold more, like maybe like a lot of people were pitching like a, like a MSU USC rivalry, right? Like the battle for Troy. Um, you know, just kind of manufacturing some some rivalries to kind of welcome these teams into the fold. I think I would have I think I would have liked to see.
1: Fair enough. You know, it's interesting kind of Penn State just I feel like Penn State got the shaft, man. They don't they didn't get to protect it with us. They didn't get protected with you. I'm like, it does, and then Iowa gets three. It To me, it didn't make any sense at all uh, what they were trying to do there. I I just I don't know. I don't get it. Spartan Dog, tell everybody where they can catch you and the Bacon Wire podcast at and uh, so they can uh, listen to some more Spartan talk.
3: Yeah, so uh, I'm on Twitter for now. Um, I'm also on Instagram threads now uh, because that's, you know, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I'm at SpartanDog97. You can follow Bacon Wire at Bacon Wire. I live tweet every game, uh, MSU football and basketball. Um, we're anywhere you can find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, uh, Google podcasts, all all those good platforms. Uh, and yeah, thank you for having me, man. This was a lot of fun. It really tested my vocabulary trying to keep a PG. I gotta say,
1: (laughs) well, you can have me on your show and you can cuss at me all you want. Is that fair? (laughs) That's fair. Perfect. (laughs) All right, guys, we'll have him back later in the season. Dad is smart dog. Thank you so much, my friend. Yeah. Thank you, Eric. All right, we want to thank Spartan Dog for his expertise in breaking down the Spartans. Let's take a closer look, Chris, at this roster in 2023. Let's start with the offense first. You've got Noah Kim, redshirt junior, who I think is going to be at the helm, but there is some question marks surrounding that. Running back, you brought him up earlier, Jalen Berger, redshirt junior junior. Uh, I think Berger's a pretty good running back. And given what we might see here on the offensive line, this might be their bread and butter. You got J.D. DePlain, a senior. Nick Samak, a senior. And Spencer Brown, a redshirt senior. So three seniors across the board there on the offensive line, along with redshirt junior, which means he is a a senior academically. Brandon Baldwin to go with a redshirt sophomore, which means he's a junior academically, so a third-year college player. And Geno Vandemark. So that's a lot of uh, of experience up front, again, which with a pretty good running back. At tight end, Malik Carr, a redshirt junior. So, again, another upperclassman. And then out wide at the wide receiver positions, you have Trey Mosley, a redshirt senior, Monterey Foster Jr., a senior, and Christian Fitzpatrick, a redshirt junior. That's a lot of upperclassmen on that offense. And there, the name you see right there in Jaden Reed, well, that's the reason why that's in gold is because he was actually drafted in the NFL. So unlike Indiana, who we previewed two days ago, Michigan State actually has a few guys who did get drafted in the 2023 NFL draft who they're trying to replace. And I think Trey Mosley can do that job in replacing Jaden Reed. I think he's a pretty good wide receiver, although he wasn't in our our top 10 in the Big Ten coming into the season, Chris. I do think he is someone who was kind of just on the outside maybe looking in. Your thoughts on what our prediction of what the Michigan State starting offense looks like? I think this is going to be a run-heavy offense.
2: I think it's got to be. And I do think Mosley, like you said, has a lot of talent at the wide receiver position. Not sold on Noah Kim at the quarterback position.
1: I'm um, not either.
2: And I really feel like you said this is a team that's going to lean very heavy on the run. It's what was successful in 2021. Mm-hmm. It's what they got away from a little bit last year, and we saw the result. I think they've got to run the ball if they're going to have any chance uh, of doing anything this season. Um, it, because I just I don't believe in Noah Kim. I don't think he can get the job done at the quarterback position. And Mosley, while he's a great talent, you know, it'd be awful nice if they had somebody who was a second receiver to just take a little bit of that pressure off. Make it so you weren't getting him double teamed all the time.
1: Michigan state kind of has um, a tr- they kind of have a uh, um, a history of doing that, finding somebody at the wide yeah. receiver pitching that you aren't expecting <clears throat> who doesn't come into the season highly touted. and then by the time the season's over, he's in he's a draft eligible candidate and so i wouldn't be surprised if one of those other guys does step up but the big question mark i have is who can get him the football at the quarterback position i think this is a very weak team in that regard could be wrong we'll see uh but that's just kind of what i see right now let's flip over to the defense now chris so defensively let's start up front in the defensive line you got avery dunn a redshirt junior. Uh, you got Simon Barrow, Jr., a redshirt junior, and Derek uh, Harmon is a redshirt sophomore. And then we finally have our first transfer, the top transfer rule, as I like to call it, And Tamise Adelaide, a redshirt sophomore. Very talented, but also very young. Um, I'm not sold on this defensive front. I think it's pretty no. weak, to be honest with you. At linebacker, you got Jacoby Winmer, a senior, and Cal Halliday, a redshirt junior. I think that's probably the strength of this Michigan State defense. To be honest with you, is the linebacker position. Uh, they're going to get plenty of tackles, but it's probably because most of the time, running backs are going to be in the second level of the of the defense. In all honesty, at cornerback, Chester Kimbrough, a redshirt senior, and Samar Melvin, a redshirt senior. He's a transfer. And they're going to have to uh, replace Amir Speed, who was uh, drafted last year. And at sophomore, or excuse me, at safety, you have Darius Snow, redshirt junior. He's pretty good. Dylan Tatum, a sophomore, and Jaden uh, Mangum, a sophomore. So they're playing a four-two-five, uh, just like Indiana. Defensively, there's some holes here. Um, I don't think they're nearly as strong as they've been in the past. And given the fact that I don't think the offense is nearly as explosive as what we've seen before, yep. uh, I'm a little weary weary of this um, Michigan State uh, roster here coming into 2023. Special team-wise, Steven uh, Rusnal, a redshirt sophomore, will be doing the kicking. And Ryan Eckley, a redshirt freshman, will be doing the punting. And Bryce Barringer was actually drafted from mm-hmm. Michigan State defensively what's your thoughts there chris on sparty well
2: yeah you know um i'm with you i don't think the defensive line is great i think the linebacker position is is what's going to have to hold this team down um Widman, i think is is uh or widmer is gonna the uh definitely the leader on the team we're a little surprised uh you know Halliday uh has kind of Got that second spot, and I kind of thought we might see Geo Teote in there uh, this year uh, in that second spot, but apparently not. Uh, Darius Snow, the the safety, I'm kind of wondering, is he related to the uh, the snows that came out of there? Because uh, you know, there's a couple snows that came out of uh, Michigan State back in the the eighties. It was uh, Eric was the basketball player. Was it Percy was the I think it was Percy was the uh, linebacker or something.
1: I don't know that. That's a good question but for yeah. a Spartan dog. When we yeah, see maybe he's got a legacy
2: time. guy in there. Maybe. But, uh, yeah, as I'm, as I'm looking at this team, Eric, I just I don't have a lot of hope for him. I, I could see a lot of games where when Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State get in there against them, you may, you may see teams racking up 50
1: points they're a little bit more saltier than indiana i think they got got maybe a little bit more machismo is a good kind of a way to put it a little bit more street cred um that i think is going to give them a few more wins than what the hoosiers are going to get but when if we're looking at big 10 east i i've got indiana at the bottom and then i've got michigan state and sparty fighting for that next spot I'm yeah, sorry, you know, Michigan State and Rutgers, Rutgers, Rutgers and Sparty fighting for the next spot. It's that's kind of where yeah. I'm at, and and I'm not so sure that I wouldn't put Rutgers ahead of them.
2: Yeah, I actually think I did, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, um, as I recall, I think I only gave uh, Michigan State uh, three wins, maybe.
1: Mm-hmm. You did. Yep. Yeah,
2: and I because I just don't see it.
1: Yep. Uh, All right. you know. Let's take a look at that schedule while you while you're while you're thinking about it. So let's take a look at it here real fast. All right, they open the season September 1st uh, at home against Central Michigan. Chris, that should be a win. Yes.
2: Yeah, should September,
1: be September 9th at home against Richmond. That better be.
2: If if not, uh, Mel Tucker's <laughs> in a whole lot of trouble.
1: September 16th at home against Washington.
2: This is where the chaos begins because. They have three very tough weeks, I think, in a row right there, Eric.
1: Yep. At home against Maryland. That's probably an L. Yeah. Uh, I think Washington and Maryland are both L's, and then they go on the road at Iowa. That's probably, an, that's L probably too. an L. So they're gonna go into their bye week at the first week of October, in my opinion, two and five and 0 and two in the Big Ten. You agree? Yes. October 14th, on the road, coming off a bye at Rutgers. This this is that this is a coin toss here.
2: For me, the fact that it's at Rutgers, you know, kind of gives the Scarlet Knights a bit of an advantage.
1: Okay. I think I might have them actually pulling this one out there because I do have one more win than you. So October 21st uh, at home against uh, that team up north. This is probably a solid L. On the road, October 28th at Minnesota. This is a... A, a Minnesota roster that's been turned over a little bit, but I still think the Golden Gophers have more to offer here. Yeah. Now we get into the month of uh, November, and they are home against Nebraska. I, I'm kind of feeling that there's a lot of good buzz around Nebraska. This, I think, this is a game the Cornhuskers, if they're going to make bowl eligibility, are going to have to come it. and win. They're going to have, have to get this win on the road. So we'll see if Sparty can hold home field here. Then they travel to the the shoe Ohio State. In the last few years, as Spartan dog liked to point out, we have stomped a mud hole in them since Tucker has been there, uh, and we did it actually ever really since uh, uh, Ryan Day's taken over. And as he yeah. pointed out, at Indiana, November 18th, again, this is this is a this is a big win for them. Two of those games that I feel are big wins are on the road for them at Rutgers at Indiana. That's going to be tough. Home against Nebraska. Those three. Um, and then they finish off against Penn State at home. That's a solid L. I got them somehow eking out a four-win season. You've got three. Vegas says it's a four-and-a-half. I'm taking the under. You're taking the under.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even... I'm not confident in that three wins. I, I wish I could be more confident, Eric, but like I said, the the... The Big Ten East, very, you know, I think is arguably the strongest division in all of college football. Yep. And you take that, and, and you, like I said, you got four teams on their schedule who finished in the top ten last season. That, that's pretty tough for any team. hmm You won't see an SCT SEC team playing that schedule because it's Vanderbilt. Just think about the results there. Right. Because I think that's what you're going to see. Uh, You know, four top 10 teams is is too much for this team that just doesn't have enough.
1: So let's go ahead and take this over to Brandon from Big Banter and see what he thinks. He is our betting expert for Big Banter. Brandon, take it away.
3: I'm Brandon Jensen, uh, lead betting analyst at Big Banter Sports. Glad to be on the show. Michigan State up next at 5.5, over at plus 135, under at minus 155. The secondary – it's still bad. And they lost their top quarterback, Peyton Thorne, to Auburn, top receiver to the portal. And they faced four teams that could finish in the top 15 with Michigan, Washington, Ohio State, and Penn State. So, I mean, that's four losses in my books as it is, leaving eight games to pick up six wins. I don't think Tuck's coming this season. I think they can get better, but I don't think they're going bowling. So give me the under.
1: All right, thank you very much, Brandon, for that. And so now, Chris, we come into our final thoughts for good old Mel Tucker and Sparty. What's your final thoughts going into this season for the faithful Green fans in East Lansing?
2: Um, I think that Mel Tucker needs to find a way to pull a couple upsets. Mm-hmm. Because... Three wins after the season they had last year is not going to be acceptable. Taking another step backwards is not going to be acceptable. And I know they've got this big contract with him for all this money, this is a ridiculous amount of money they gave him. Um, for a guy who really, if you look, coming in was a losing coach when they hired him. I, I think that even, even with that being said, I think he becomes on the hot seat if he doesn't at least get to a five-win season this season. And I don't see it being possible.
1: You know, it, that's, it's. I feel like in a way, since the expectations are so low there right now, that this could be a solid rebuild year for him. And by rebuild, I mean re- almost hit the reset button and reset the culture. The incident that took place in Ann Arbor, just like Spartan Dog and I were talking about, I don't blame Michigan State for that. Now, they went overboard. Yeah. They absolutely went overboard. But the common denominator and all the issues that happen in that stadium is that team that plays in that stadium. That's yeah. the common denominator. And so I can't put all of that on Mel Tucker's guys. And and as, as Spart Dog said, they, they went over and above to make sure that that was taken care of. And now he has kind of a clean slate – to kind of reset the culture and maybe more in his image. And I think the other thing that he's done is he's realized <clears throat> you can win by the transfer portal and you can lose by the transfer portal. But when you win by the transfer portal, you destroy all your good faith and work you've done in developing your homegrown talent who you have recruited. Yeah. And so there, this is going to be a three to four year process of resetting that because he came in he felt like he couldn't win with the guys he had there and you know D'Antonio didn't set him up well let's be honest no no and so he had to go to the transfer portal and the one of the worst things that happened was he got he was successful at it so he went back to that well a second time and it was dried up and so now he's he's got to kind of reset things and so I think this is a hard reboot that's happening in East Lansing. I do not expect this to be a uber successful year. I will be flabbergasted if this is a bowl team.
2: Oh yeah. I, I don't see if, that even being possible. If he impossible. gets
1: the six, he gets the six and six. Then they need he to might, extend him. <laughs> he might be the big 10 coach of the year. He should be. If he gets
2: to a six win season, given his schedule, given the talent or lack thereof that is on that roster right now he should be the big 10 coach he should be the national coach of the year
1: wow i wouldn't go that far
2: because uh, that this team is that bad and you know what maybe it is a good chance for him to, to like you said hit the reset button and you know what if you're gonna hit the reset button i'd start running some of them young kids out there
1: yeah see what show, you've got show some hope But you know he's got he's especially on offense and the offensive line he's got all them upperclassmen. Can they can they somehow eke out a couple field goal type game winning type situations? You know, kind of like what we said about Indiana. They're gonna have to play in a phone booth. They gotta they gotta get this low scoring, suck the clock. You know, almost run the old Northwestern style of offense where you by the time the game's over you're like, wait a minute, we only had eight possessions. You know, and we had to punt on four of them. We we kicked field goals on three, and now here's Sparty getting ready to kick a game-winning field goal on us. So that's the type of winning uh, formula for this team. I do not think they're going to outscore guys. Uh, it's yeah. going to, They're going yeah. to have to win in the teens a lot.
2: You don't think Noah Kim's going to be out there putting up three fifty and four touchdowns a game,
1: Eric? No, no. But you know. With a good, solid running game, you can win like that. Trestle ball, maybe.
2: Yeah, you can, but, you know.
1: Is the defense good enough? That's the question.
2: You've got a true freshman and a redshirt freshman, I think, right behind Noah Kim, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so if Kim struggles early, do we see him go to that youth movement? And I mean, I, 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 would, I would almost like to see it. See what he's got in these kids you
1: know if you if you fall behind to where you're not going to make a bowl game you almost owe it to yourself yeah to do that to go that route all right guys that's our that's our preview for Michigan State i hope you enjoyed it please like share subscribe ring that bell it really does help the channel and uh, if you're a Michigan State fan uh to tell us how, why we're right or wrong in, in you know our, in our previews are we too unfair are we being too critical of your program did we miss something that you know about it we need to know we're not we're not following this program every single day. We're following it from afar as Buckeye fans, and so that's kind of our perspective. But uh, we thank Spartan Dog for coming on here from Big Banter to give us a little bit more expertise from your side of the fence, if you will. And uh, we're, rooting, we're rooting for you to take down the, that other rival that you guys got there. So uh, uh, that's always like, like we always say, you know, we're Ohio State number one and number two who was ever playing that team up north. <laughs> yeah. So if that's you guys when you play, them, we're rooting for you. So, all right, guys, that's our show uh, again for this one. Be on the lookout, Purdue. You're on the clock. You're next up, Boilermakers. Or don't. The thorn, the thorn in our side, and we're coming, Chris and I. Chris and I. We're gonna be in the house. We're coming your way this year. Good look. At, looking forward to have a good time with you guys. All right, until next time. Oh. Io. Go Bucks.